0: Okay. We're going to talk about money today, as you may have guessed. Yay. Um, Money and how it intersects with faith. Now, there's a lot we can do with money because it turns out that money is intertwined with pretty much everything in life. Our relationships, our health, our jobs, of course, education, recreation, church and religion, marriage and parenting. Everything depends on money and economics. And so it's no surprise, then, that we can find a lot in the Bible about money. Jesus often talks about money. He uses money a lot as a metaphor for talking about various aspects of faith. In fact, money is such an elastic metaphor that you can substitute the word economy for kingdom when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. I want to give you a couple quick examples so you can put up that first slide, Michael. Um, Jesus' favorite thing to talk about was this thing called the kingdom of God. And so he announces the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. And we can substitute the economy of God is at hand. Repent in the good news. Second example, seek first the economy of God and God's righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you as well. And then finally, my favorite, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the economy of God. Hmm, let's puzzle that one. Now, these work, you can take it down. Thanks, Michael. These work on an intuitive level because we just get how expansive and how intertwined the economy and money are with our lives, just like Jesus imagines the kingdom of God, that it would just infiltrate every aspect of our lives and how we organize everything in life. So with that as a background, as a backdrop of just how big the economy and money are, um, let's look at a very particular teaching from Jesus about money. So this comes to us from Luke chapter 12 and we'll pick it up in verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. It's one of my favorite lines from Jesus. Think about those big black birds, those harbingers of death. (laughs) Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, Solomon's one of the kings mentioned in the Old Testament, who is very rich, very famous. Even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink. Do not keep worrying, for it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for God's kingdom. Strive for God's economy. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give alms, make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Which is the slogan of sanctuary bucks. You might have noticed that. It's on your sanctuary bucks in front of you. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Okay, so this is, it was a longer scripture, so thanks for hanging with it. Um, It's a classic example of Jesus as a rabbi, Jesus, a wise teacher, passing on some core instruction to his disciples. And I want to point out three different tactics that Jesus uses in this teaching to be effective. All right, so the first one is that Jesus insults his disciples. Now, if you want to have someone's attention, you can insult them. (laughs) It works pretty well, actually. You will get someone's attention very quickly if you insult them, especially in parenting. Try it out with your teens. Ten out of ten. Recommend. Um, Now, how well the people listen to you might depend on the severity of the insult. Okay. So Jesus insults his disciples. He tells them, first of all, he says, why, you, why do you worry? You know, Don't worry. You can't add a single hour to your span of life. And if you can't do such a small thing as add time to your life, why do you keep worrying? And then he tells them, you of little faith. And he, he says that to them. Um, it's kind of comical. I think it's a little more playful than shaming, um, almost like a motivational coach at halftime. Like, come on, We can do this, team. Let's go. Let's get out there. So he's getting his disciples' attention. And he has ours because we're laughing at the disciples as Jesus makes fun of them until we remember that they represent us. (laughs) Oops. Okay, so Jesus insults them. He's got their attention. So what did he do with it? Number two, second tactic. Jesus issues a string of commandments. And we get ten commandments from Jesus— A new Ten Commandments. Here they are. So I'll just, you can throw that slide up, Michael. Um, Ten commands in 13 verses. And I'm not going to read them all, but you can see them there. Now, whenever we see commandments in the Bible, it's not straightforward. Okay? It becomes very clear, very quickly, that it's complex in how we obey or put into practice these commandments. So let's take a couple examples, like number eight. Sell your possessions, Jesus says. Sell your possessions. Okay, which ones? How many? Um, I've got a trophy from my senior year of high school playing soccer. Should I sell that one? (laughs) What's the going rate on eBay for a middle-aged pastor who no longer plays soccer, his soccer trophy from high school? (laughs) I don't know that I'll get much. Um, What about number nine, give alms? Alms is a word we don't use a lot. It just means giving to people who need help, who need something. So giving money or food or provisions, any material thing that helps people concretely, practically. Um, But the question is, how do we do that? How do you give to people who need help? What's the best way to go about that? How much do we give? So, and so there's essentially, there's an infinite number of ways that you could put these commands into practice. The point is, the more we examine these commands and consider obeying them, the more complicated they become. And that is the point. Jesus is complexifying life for his disciples because he wants them to try things out on their own. He wants them to grow into maturity. And as they practice, as they put these commands into practice and try things out, they will grow. Try out, he says, not worrying. Try out selling possessions and giving to people in need and see how it goes, learn from it. Do it with each other, do it together, do it individually. However you do it, you will grow as people over time as you put this stuff into practice. All right, finally, the third uh, tactic that Jesus uses is he helps his disciples imagine an alternative economy in God's kingdom. And that is this phrase I'm using, the economy of God. So I want to think about this a little bit, and I want to compare what I think of as the global economy— which sort of sets a tone for all economics globally, and some of the main characteristics of what we hear Jesus talking about in the economy of God, or God's economy. So I made a chart, because I love charts, comparison charts. It's like my favorite thing. So here it is. Um, If you're at home on Zoom or Facebook Live, I share this on Facebook. So you can go to Sanctuary's Facebook page, which is public, so anyone can see it. Uh, You don't need a Facebook account. Um, But you can access this chart and see it. But let's walk through this, okay? So in the global economy, it's built on scarcity. In fact, scarcity is essential. Companies sometimes manufacture scarcity to make the goods and services they provide more valuable. If it's less rare, it's more valuable. So you create scarcity. In God's economy, it's built on abundance. God's even feeding the birds. Everybody. Um, the global economy, it's energized by self-interest. What can I gain? What can I desire? What can I get? And the more I produce and the more I consume, theoretically, the better off everybody is. I don't know how the math works on that, but that's the idea, I think, of the global economy. The economists in the room will have to correct me later. <laughs> anyway, I'll issue you corrections. Um, God's economy is energized, on the other hand, by sharing and generosity. And that's what we see Jesus calling for in this Uh, The core emotion in the global economy is anxiety or worry. Do I have enough? Can I get more? In God's economy, it's contentment and gratitude for the things we have, for the abundance that God has given us. Global economy, success is measured by individual wealth. And there are some individuals in our economy that are doing very well. (laughs) I don't know if you've seen stats about some of the most rich among us, but they're rich. It's Astonishing. Um, In God's economy, the success is measured by the health of the entire community, especially the most vulnerable. That's what Jesus has his eyes on again and again. Everything exists for capital extraction in the global economy. We look at soil, land, water, animals, human bodies as ways to extract money. How can we get the most capital and money out of all of those objects? In God's economy, everything exists for the flourishing of humankind and the earth. And then finally, money's at the center in the global economy, obviously. And in God's economy, it's Jesus, it's God at the center. And money serves or honors God or can honor God. All right, now, I, um, when I look at this, I'm compelled, like, I, it sounds good to me to put into practice God's economy. Um, and I know that might sound hopelessly naive, like, when we think about the global economy and just how much power and how much momentum it has. Um, so maybe I'm naive, like, but I don't really care. Like, I want God's economy. That's what I'm choosing. Um, I want to see an economy that's rooted in abundance I would love to be a part of a world where animals and land and water are not commodities, where capital extraction is the goal. I wanna live in a world where humans, all humankind is flourishing, where people are making living wages all across the globe. Who's with me? Shall we do it? Yeah, okay, let's do it. Great, hey, it's been decided. We are next in God's economy. Thank you. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we do this? All right, well, we can start with Jesus's commands, right? That list of 10 things he says to try out, to practice, to do. And I want to focus on one today, just one. And that is his simple commandment to help those in need, giving alms, okay? How can we put into practice giving alms or giving to those in need? Um, So first of all, I want to celebrate something that we recently did as a church. And I'm going to talk a a while for about how our church has done something collectively. Um, We held a clothing drive where we collected hundreds of items of clothing that were distributed last week for free. So you can show that first photo, Michael. Um, Here's a photo of a couple of our teens who volunteered last week to sort through the many, many donations uh, that we uh, received. So shout out to them and to our hands on faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Bobby Outterson Murphy, who's our hands-on faith coordinator, who helped administrate all of this. Um, And then you can share the next few photos, Michael. Um, Here's the distribution center. So all the clothing went to a site in Iowa City called the GuideLink Center. We partnered with dozens of faith communities that all collected items and brought them to a common site for distribution. And then you can show the final photo there. There's me i um I got to volunteer at the distribution center this past week, and it was awesome um i got so I got to be part of this uh, distribution. It was a few hours of my time in assisting folks walking through the aisles and finding stuff for themselves and their families. um a lot of folks were looking for their children, and so we talked about our kids and shopping for kids and how hard that is. So one woman was lamenting how hard it is to shop for her girls. I was like, I don't know, my teenage boys are pretty particular, and she's laughing. I was like, you're right, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to shop for our kids sometimes. Um, And I was super grateful. The clothing we had was in great, great condition. In fact, half of the clothing items were new, tags on. And so people are walking through and they're selecting these great, great quality coats and shirts and hats and boots. Um, in fact, there was one item. I saw a a winter hat. There was a Nike USA soccer hat. I almost pocketed it. <laughs> I confess. I could see the headline, Pastor Steals Hat from Clothing Drive, right? Like, I was like, that's not God's economy, though. So I didn't. You'll be glad to hear. Um, now, because of the pandemic, you know, it's been harder for me to feel like I know where and how to volunteer. I don't know if others of you have had, had trouble with this, but it's been very, very difficult to navigate the world of volunteering and how much contact time, et cetera. Um, so this was one of the very few volunteer opportunities that I've had in a long time, and I, it was awesome. I just, I just had such a great time. I felt so grateful. I felt grateful for our church, for contributing. I felt grateful for our whole community, for having set this up. And I felt grateful for having these really personal, meaningful connections with folks I don't ordinarily get to talk to. And I was transformed by that small, short period of time, part of God's economy. That's what it was. And it was lovely. I had such a great time. Now, really quick, it would be even more part of God's economy if every item of clothing was produced by people making living wages across the globe. Right. So that's another message. We'll set that aside. So back to the main point. Jesus calls us, give to those who need it. Give to those who need it. Give generously. Give money. Give material goods. He calls us into that practice for the good of our neighbors, our community, and for our good, our transformation. That's the economy of God. I want to share one quick statistic about the local need that we face. So this is from Johnson County and Lynn County. We have a good number of folks from Cedar Rapids area. Related to food insecurity... Okay, which is a lack of access to enough nutritional food. And so you'll see here, in Johnson County, a little over 12,000 people face food insecurity, and in Lynn County, that number is about 17,500 people. Just Can you just think about that? The number of individuals and families who week in and week out are making choices about whether or not they're going to feed themselves or their families or if they're going to pay a utility bill or if they're gonna shop at the grocery store or pay rent. And they don't know how they're gonna make ends meet week to week to week, okay? That's the need, part of the need. This is just one statistic, one metric, food insecurity, of the need in our local community. So the question is, how will we respond? How will we respond? We have the opportunity to to respond collectively, together as a church, and we have the responsibility and opportunity to respond individually. So first, um, sanctuary. I want to just highlight some of the ways that sanctuary gives. So I have another slide here, Michael, about ways that sanctuary gives. So we have an emergency assistance fund that's available for folks who need help and want to ask for sanctuary itself to supply uh, money, financial help. So we have information in the bulletin every week about that fund. It's on the backside of the bulletin for anyone. Um, we participate in the Cougar Chow Program, or Run It. It's providing uh, food to students and their families at Corval Central. We do that every week. We collect donations from time to time, like we just did. We fund a part-time staff position at IC Compassion. We're so honored to do that. And then finally, we give away 10% of all financial donations. So if you give to Sanctuary, thank you, and we want you to know, 10% of what you give, we collectively give away. We give to folks who need help, we give to local nonprofits doing great work, we give to global relief efforts, that's where some of that 10% goes. I share this, like, I guess I'm bragging. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm more sharing this to celebrate. Like, we have a lot to celebrate as a community. We're always looking for ways that we collectively can lean into God's economy and generosity. All right, now, individually, what can we do? Well, I set you up by having you write down where you'd give (laughs) $10,000 at the beginning. And I know it's a setup, because you don't have (laughs) $10,000. Okay. Um, And maybe you don't have $10,000. In fact, I suspect most of us don't. Um, What do you have? What do you have that you can use to give away? Can you give your time and energy to help out someone in need? Can you give clothes? Make donations? Um, Can you give money? Maybe you do have funds that you could extend generously in the broader community. Our money is a gift from God. It is a gift from God that God gives to us to extend God's goodness, God's economy in the world around us. Friends, there is great joy in participating in God's economy, there is great joy in leaning into God's abundance, God's provision. There is great joy in giving witness to God's goodness and God's generosity as we fulfill everything that Jesus is calling us to fulfill. That is the good news as we strive for God's economy. Amen. I want to take a moment to just sit with that in prayer. Um, and ask God where and how might God be leading us to practice generosity, to practice God's economy. So please uh, join me in prayer. Oh God, we hear um, the vision that Jesus offers us for your economy, and would you help us? Help us now, just to name maybe some practical ways. We can lean into that. Maybe there's a friend or family member we can come alongside of in the time of need. Maybe there's a new habit. Uh, We could start volunteering in some way. Maybe there's a way we can just give generously. God, continue to give us wisdom Continue to help us not to worry, but instead to lean into trusting you for all our care, all our needs. Help us to extend your economy, your generosity in the world around us.